Morning. How are we all doing? That was fun, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Hope you did. Hope you're not too exhausted already. Oh gosh. Um, so risk, risk. Let me think about risk this morning. And um, it was John Wimber who said, um, "Faith is spelled R-I-S-K," and um, it's true. Our faith involves risk. And um, how do we do that? How do we keep taking risky steps? James uh, says, faith without deeds is dead. And the same with, if you call yourself a risky person, but you don't take any risks, you're not a risky person. (laughs) And it's the same with faith. Uh, You know, unless you kind of do something about it, well, there's not much... It's the kind of evidence of our faith, really. So who are the best people at taking risks? Teenagers. We all know that. Um, They're great at taking risks, aren't they? And I'm sure we can all bring to mind um, stories from when we were teenagers of stupid things we did and crazy risks we took for really no apparent reason. I was I was thinking of a few. um, I remember climbing across a cliff in Mexico with my friend Duncan absolutely no reason to climb across this cliff. They just thought it looked fun, hanging on to tufts of grass. Really stupid. I mean, if we'd fallen, that would have been curtains. Um, and, and we can do stuff. And I remember as well in um, a swimming pool in France as a teenager and thought there was a net across it, a polo net. And I thought, I thought and there was, some, you know, there was some girls around and I thought I'd show off. And so I thought I'd try and dive up and over this net from the swimming board. And I didn't quite make it, caught my foot on it, pulled the whole net into the swimming pool, got tangled at the top, bottom, and someone had to dive in, rescue me, and pull me out. Not good. So I don't know, is, it, it, you know, if it's hormones that make you take risks, or if it's just kind of hubris, pride that makes you take risks, or, you know, whatever it is. But we're thinking about risk in the context of our faith this morning. How do we take risks? Why do we want to take risks? Why do we want to do it in the first place? And I, both, I guess as Christians, we're doing it because for him. We're taking risks for him and for no other reason. And I think most of us in the room, we're, we're, we're probably keen to take risks for him. We want to step out and tell people about Jesus' love. We want to help people and we want to bring justice to people and we want to bring hope to people and so I think there is a desire to be those risk takers to step out but the thing is we get stuck don't we it I mean if you're anything like me you don't really like taking risks I'm not I'm not a huge risk taker I I wish I was but 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 I know this almost sounds like heresy to say it in church. I quite like comfort. Comfort is comfortable, isn't it? It's quite nice. I quite like being safe. You know, it's nice. And at one level, there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, we're following Jesus. And we're invited to take risks. So let's look at Jesus. Let's look to him for some help of how we can be more risk takers. 
I'm going to use the stories, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water together from Matthew 14. They, they appear together in a number of the Gospels. In fact, feeding the 5,000 is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. So it's, um, it's an important one. And actually, I was just reading the commentary yesterday on these two passages by Michael Green, and, and he's, he comments on them both together. And I thought, if he can do it, as the famous evangelist he is, then I can do it. So there we go. Let's read this. And just listen, just absorb it. We had our Renew service here on Friday night. We were doing Lectio Divina. We just read through the same passage of Scripture three times, slowly, just listening. You know, all these Gospels were written to be listened to. So just, just take a moment and listen to what the Lord might be saying through this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, He gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? 
And when they climbed into the boat and the wind died, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. I think the story of the, the walking on the water is perhaps the clearest, possibly only second to the resurrection, the clearest demonstration of Jesus being Lord over all creation. He's over it all, above it all, the creator and Lord of it all. And it kind of reminds me, just reading this story again, this is his idea, all of this creation, and therefore kind of all the risk that's involved. Because... You know, go right back to the beginning. The Trinity was in that perfect state of love, wasn't it? Having a wonderful time together. And they just thought, we want to share this. We want to share this wonderful love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with more people. And so we were created and invited in to this relationship. And um, the thing was, when it is, God is a God of love. And for true love to exist, there has to be freedom. The freedom to reject that love or to accept that love. And if we accept, if we reject that love, it's painful. And therefore God is a risky God. He set himself up for trouble. Because he created us knowing he'd, for real love to exist, he had to give us that option. And so even as he creates us, he knows they're going to mess it up. And we did mess it up. And therefore he chose one man, Jesus, who he trusted to be perfectly obedient, to follow and to save us and to go to the cross and to restore all things. John Stott, former chaplain to the Queen, great author, etc., 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 etc. Hopefully you've heard of him, written loads of books. Said this, what daring adventures the incarnation and atonement were. What a breach of convention and decorum. I can tell you he was chaplain to the Queen. What a breach of convention and decorum that almighty God should renounce his privileges in order to take human flesh and bear human sin. Jesus had no security except in his Father. So to follow Jesus is always to accept at least a measure of uncertainty, danger, and rejection for his sake. It's all pretty risky. And I guess my first point on this, on thinking about risk, is is to be a risk-taker we need to take our inspiration from the greatest risk taker, which is Jesus. He is the great risk taker. And we look to him and are inspired to take risks. And, and the kind of irony of it is, actually, in Jesus, the final risk is gone. It's dealt with. Nothing 
in all of creation can separate us from his love. There is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. He's dealt with the final big risk. One poet said this, when God removed all risk above, he loosed a thousand risks of love. And that's what we're invited into. So in this story, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus starts in this place of grief. You know, he's lost John the Baptism, John the Baptist, his great friend, his cousin, someone he's loved all his life. And he's sort of trying to get away to be on his own. Yet when he sees the people, it says he has compassion on them. All Jesus' risk-taking is born out of love, is born out of compassion. And that should inspire our compassion too. That's the birthplace of this risk-taking. We are inspired by him and by his compassion and love. And as we look at, look at, you know, look at, um, I don't know who your greatest sort of hero of the faith is, you know, maybe Heidi Baker or Jackie Pullinger or, I don't know, um, Hudson Taylor or someone. All these great risk takers, inspired by Jesus, moved with a heart of compassion by Jesus. But the thing is, it doesn't just end there being moved by compassion in risk taking. Because the disciples in this story, they were moved by compassion as well. They were moved by compassion for all these people and said to Jesus, send them away. They, they need to get somebody. It's late. They're getting tired. It's, they're hungry. Send them away. So they were having compassion. But their solution was a natural one, not a supernatural one. Unfortunately, they decided, rather than just taking up their own plan and sending everyone away, they took their plan and they went to Jesus and said to Jesus, we think you ought to send them away. And Jesus said, I've got a better plan. A riskier plan. Why don't you give everything you have to me? And let's see what I can do with it. And they came up with the five loaves and the two fishes. Whether it was the boys or theirs or someone's anyways. Here you go. And Jesus looking to the Father, had this supernatural solution. He took that bigger risk beyond just the natural solution to take compassion on these people. And I think it teaches us in the area of risk-taking, not only should we be inspired by Jesus and, and, and receive that inspiration and compassion, we also need to rely on Jesus. Rely on our Father in heaven 100%. We rely on Him in risk taking. And real risk takers are not just inspired by Him, they rely on Him completely, just as Jesus relied on the Father. And you know, it's interesting, Jesus is prompted to do this miracle, to do all this, when He's in a pretty low state, having lost His best friend. He's probably tired, he's probably in a slightly bad mood, whatever. And you know what I've found, and I'm sure many of you found this too, 
is actually when we're kind of a bit worn out, maybe at our lowest ebb, when we've, we've got about this much faith for something to happen. Sometimes that's the moment when God asks us to take the risk and step out. When we really, I can't see how this is going to happen. And we take the step and then all the glory goes to God because we knew it was nothing to do with us. And often when we've got loads of like, yeah, we can do this, this is no problem. That's when we come crashing down because actually it wasn't much of a risk after all. We were just doing it in our own strength. And I know, you know, I, I, I love speaking here because you're all friends and it's, it's fun. Um, and sometimes I get invited to speak other places and, and they go, yeah, yeah, I'd love to come. That'd be great. And then when the day arrives, <laughs> ooh, why, why did I do that? We fix our eyes on him. So I'm not quite sure why I said that just then. <laughs> so I was going in a slightly different direction. Anyways, the glory's all his, isn't it? Um, each time we step out, we conquer some more ground, don't we? Each time we take a risk, we conquer some more ground. We expand our comfort zone. Marika, who was up here last week, who's just gone, she, so she has gone back out to northern Iraq. She went on Thursday. And, um, and she's in Mosul right now. And that step was, in one sense, just a little bit easier for her this time. She said, she said, I'm completely out of my depth, but I know God is by my side in all of this. She's been out there before. And so, in one sense, northern Iraq has become her comfort zone. I don't know if that's possible for northern Iraq to be a comfort zone, but, but in some senses, it's a little bit more comfortable than it was before, because she's taken that risk once before and been out there and she's going back. And I think in being good risk takers, not only do we need to be inspired by Jesus, not only do we need to rely completely on Jesus, we also need to remember. We need to remember where have we stepped out before and seen Jesus move. In this feeding of the 5,000, Jesus instructs them, in, in John's version, you see this clearly, Jesus instructs the disciples to pick up the leftovers, and they pick up 12 basketfuls, don't they? And there's all sorts of wonderful uh, allegories we can give to the 12 tribes of Israel and to, you know, not, not wanting to waste stuff and not being re- reckless with the grace of God and all these sort of things which are important. But what I want to light on here is I think he's also, in getting them to pick up the leftovers, helping them to remember. Remember what I've done. And the reason I think that is because it comes out in Mark 8, where, um, where, where, where the disciples, you remember this, they've got one loaf of bread in the boat, and they're all like, oh, well, we've forgotten the bread, or what are we can do about the bread? And they're all kind of whinging amongst themselves, and Jesus overhears, and, and, and he says to them, why are you talking about bread? Don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Twelve. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Seven. Do you still not understand? Don't worry about the bread. Bread's going to be okay. We're going to have enough bread. He's trying to get us to remember. We, 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 we've conquered that territory, but we've done that before. That should be in our comfort zone now. Please remember. 
And you know, I, I think to me, one of the most important, if, if my house was burning down, the first thing I would rescue is my journals. I might grab the children too, okay. But I, I would, I would rescue my journals. Because they are the history of my life with God and what He's done and the risks I've taken and where He's responded. And they help me to remember so I can expand my comfort zone and take more risks. So we're inspired by Him. We rely on Him. We remember. The final thing risk takers do is they respond to what Jesus is doing. So Jesus dismisses the crowd and he sends the disciples off into a storm on the lake. It's nice of him, wasn't it? If you go into that storm over there. I don't know if you're feeling a bit like that this morning. You've taken a step, you've listened to Jesus, taken a bit of a risk. And now I'm in a storm. Great. And I'm sure the disciples were there and they think, you know, just a few hours ago, we witnessed this amazing miracle. And now we're in a boat on a storm, straining at the oars. It's not going terribly well. Did we hear him right? What, what's happened? The thing is, Jesus, he sends them into the storm, but he doesn't abandon them to it. He comes, and then we have this amazing, almost sort of ridiculous risk that Peter takes in going to step out of the boat and walk on water. And sometimes we are stirred up to do something that perhaps may seem a bit irrational and a bit, what's the point in that? But the whole thing is, the, the, the risk that Peter takes is in response to Jesus. Jesus says, come. So he responds and goes. And, you know, if you're going to take a big risk that may involve drowning and death, please do it in response to Jesus. If he says it, then do it. Because risk, risk is not actually about being radical. I'm not very good at being radical. You can tell from what I'm wearing. I'm not very good at being radical. Pretty much the same thing every week. Uh, it's about being radically responsive to the voice of Jesus. And that's what Peter is. He's radically responsive to what Jesus says. And I, I find this bit of the story just fascinating because... It seems the ability of the water to hold up Jesus. Uh, to hold up Jesus? Well, to hold up Peter, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus is another story. Uh, the ability of the water to hold up Peter is dependent on him fixing his eyes on Jesus. And as soon as he starts to notice the wind and the waves... I mean, he's a classic act first, think later guy, isn't he? Can't, he jumps, goes for it, and you can imagine walking up there, and he's like, oh, I shouldn't be able to do, what am I doing? 
And I think a lot of us can feel like that, can't we? You know, we, we step into something. That's where I was going to talk about the talk thing, being invited to go do talks. We step in to do something, and then, and then we're doing it. We're like, oh, no. And I think Peter's in one of those situations, and he starts to notice the storm around him. But the, the, it's extraordinary that the ability of the water to hold him up is affected by his, 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 his fixing his eyes on Jesus. And as soon as he gets distracted and worried with the storm around him and takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink. Suddenly the water won't hold him up anymore. It's very odd. Don't you think? One minute, next minute. And I, I think what it's showing us is just like the disciples with the feeding of the 5,000, they physically gave all they had, all the bread and the fish. Actually, Jesus is inviting us to give all of the attention of our mind, all of the attention of our emotions, all of the attention of our beings. And as we do that, extraordinary things can happen as we respond to him in that way. And the amazing thing is, actually, if we do get distracted and begin to sink, we only need to cry out, Lord, save me. And his hand is right there. Gets hold of Peter. And Peter's back up on the water. It doesn't describe to us exactly what happened. But it doesn't mention Jesus picking him up and carrying him, does it? And so I guess the assumption is he grabs hold of him and lifts him back up onto the water. And when we're sinking, all we need is that touch of Jesus. And our faith is renewed. We're lifted back up. We can walk again. And if you're here this morning and you're feeling, I'm sinking. Well, maybe it's not the end of the story. Maybe God wants to touch you right now this morning. Renew your faith. Lift you back up. Because that risk-taking is about responding to him and he him responding to you too so risk taking being inspired by him relying on him remembering what he's done and responding to him and he will respond to you and bring you through amen let's ask him to touch us now would you like to stand Just take a moment to wait and to ask the the Spirit is here. We believe the Holy Spirit is here. And we believe that he wants to speak to us and minister to us. 
encourage us. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Reach down your hand to touch each one of us and renew us. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait on him for a moment. The verse that says, When I called, you answered, and you made me bold and stout hearted. Nor would you answer some people here this morning. Renew their faith that they could take risks. Come, Holy Spirit. I just had the word in my mind, captain of the ship. And I've sensed a few people, I'm sure there's a few people here who are kind of captain of the ship or, you know, in charge of running something. And and you may feel quite alone in that. And, And I feel the Lord just wanted to remind you this morning, I'm captain of the ship. And, and I'm, I'm with you in this. And I feel he really wants to kind of just draw close to you this morning and reassure you, you're not alone as you as you lead, as you're the one having to take risks on behalf of the whole organization. So I think it feels like you're alone in taking risk. Um, he, he, he wants to know, he, he wants you to know he's with you. I'd, I'd love to invite forward a few categories of people that we could we could pray for. I'd love to invite forward those who um, feel like they're sinking at the moment and they just